every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello? Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Now we've got quite an action-packed show. This is our last show before summer programming, which starts on the 18th of December and Peter's here too. Hello. Sorry, I said hello before. Yeah, you did. And um, first up on the show, we will speak with Jasmine Ali. And Jasmine is a community supporter and activist. And I'll just give you a little bit of background. A community that says no to hate in their suburb. The Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre has condemned the hosting of a far-right anti-Islamic speaker in the middle of diverse suburbs of Flemington-Kensington last Monday and has called upon local councils to say no to hate. The Milo Yiannopoulos event at the Melbourne Pavilion last Monday, 4th December, attracted white nationalist street gangs such as the True Blue Crew, the neo-Nazi soldiers of Odin Group and convicted racial vilifier Neil Erickson, who was arrested by police soon after he arrived. And we're going to be speaking with, um, with Jasmine about this and we'll speak about also a solidarity event that she's organising. I believe she's part of the movement for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. After that, we'll be speaking with Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective, and he's going to be giving a report back on the Melbourne Human Rights Day rally to call for an end to offshore cruelty. And refugee rights supporters were rallying yesterday um, at the State Library in Melbourne to call on the Turnbull government to end the offshore cruelty of Manus and Nauru and bring the refugees here. And then after that, we're going to be speaking about a launch of a report. We'll be speaking with... Um, with a well-known Aboriginal activist, Vicky Roach, and she'll be speaking about the lived experience of prison and she'll speak about a report just released um, from the Human Rights Law Centre about strip searches, which um, require a prisoner to strip in front of two guards. And we'll be talking about women in prison and discussing some of the findings of that report. Mm, that's, good. that's great. So it's approximately 4.02. Um, we're going to be lining up Jasmine, hopefully, pretty soon, and perhaps maybe we need to go into a short song or an announcement. Let's go to an announcement. Help Freesia support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others. The recognition were. of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help. Help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. And you're back with the Doing Time show and we're going to be speaking with Jasmine and Peter's in the studio too. And Jasmine is, um, has done some fantastic work um, around community organising. Hello, Jasmine. Hello. How Hi, are Jasmine. you? Good, thank you. That's Yourself? good. Not bad, not bad. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on. I know you've got sh a short time commitment, haven't you? <laughs> yes, sorry, I'm at work. That's at work. okay. Could you just give us a little bit of a rundown and advertise the event that you're doing and why you're doing it? Yeah, of course. So um, your listeners may be aware that uh, on Monday the 4th, 
and there was um, uh, an engagement by Milo Yiannopoulos, a far-right extremist, and he spoke um, at Flemington, uh, across the road from the Flemington State. Um, he was there for a number of hours. I think he had about three sessions there. Um, and there was an anti-racist protest, very vibrant, um, great protest. A lot of people came down to it from the area. Um, but unfortunately, um, after it had uh, dispersed and left, um, there was, uh, like a, in some of the situation that uh, emerged where um, police... Um, basically came onto the estate um, and uh, they then uh, pretty much got into altercations with a number of uh, residents of the flat. Um, and a lot of people actually tried to uh, reason with them at the time uh, about um, just leaving. That would actually, you know, de-escalate the situation and they refused and they ended up staying there for a number of hours and a number of people were seriously injured, harmed and, and traumatised actually. By the police? Um, by the police, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, from that, there's you know footage and, and pictures um, I've received. Um, I also went to a community meeting yesterday with about 25 or, or 30 women, many of them grandmothers, and they had talked about the very systemic nature um, of the of the police surveillance and, and assaults actually on a number of their grandchildren. Um, and they were very um, you know keen for something to be done. Obviously, there's some very core demands as the gathering happening uh, for this Sunday in terms of demanding a, a public apology and investigation um, and also a call you know, for, for public investment into into public housing rather than policing as we've seen the state Andrews government do over the last uh, in the last state budget. And where where was this happening, Jasmine? Uh, this is happening um, currently. The, the location was uh, is at Debney's Park, which is um, is adjacent to the estate. Um, the intention behind it is just to get um, people from the wider community together, um, so have some local speakers. We've got a number of them um, lined up to talk about what happened that night, um, and um, just you know about ongoing issues that that's been happening in terms of the uh, police violence um, and and surveillance in the area. What time? Um, this will be at uh, 11.30 is the date, uh, sorry, the time. And so just quickly, so your demands, let me know if this is no more racist police raids, hands off Flemington Estate, public spending for local communities and public housing, not policing. Is that right? Yes, those, those are the core demands. And there's also the, the most, you know, the, the sort of uh, catalyst for the whole issue was the fact that, you know, this man, Milo Yiannopoulos, was allowed to speak, you know, straight opposite this. Um, estate, and you know, and he drew in these these other hate groups, which pretty much racial, you know, they racially taunted people um, at their home, you know, in their homes in their neighbourhoods. So you can understand why people were uh, angry and upset uh, by this occurrence, um, and and you know, want to come together again to say, you know, that wasn't right. What happened that night, um, and you know not to be treated this way, uh, effectively. Absolutely. I mean, this speaker shouldn't have been allowed into Australia. He, he basically used the neighbourhood as, as a platform for Islamophobia and racism, didn't he? He did, absolutely. And that's what the sentiment has been from the conversations I've had um, with people um, after after the event. And we are, we're just really hoping we can have a really good day on Sunday. Um, we know that you know, a few people from the union movement are going to come too. They know about the ongoing um, issues in the area and are concerned about the, you know, the rise of hate groups happening in society. But the most important thing is, you know, uh, responding, I suppose, to the, you know, very intense level of um, police intervention and, and, and violence on that night to say that's, you know, that's, that's going way too far. Um, not in our community. Jasmine, um, any final comments? 
no, I think I've said very much as well. Sorry, I've been a bit rushed. I've no, no, no. Uh, thank you for coming in, Peter. Thank you for organising it. That's all right. Thanks, Jasmine. Okay. Thanks a lot, Thanks Jasmine. A lot. Okay. okay, hope to see you then. Thank you. Bye. But take Bye. care. Bye. So rock up to that. Rock up to that solidarity event um, to uh, on Sunday at which park was it? Deeb Park in um, Flemington. And if people want to know more, contact 3CR 94198377, care of the Do and Time Show. And just wanted to also let listeners know that the police response was quite horrific. Um, basically, there was capsicum spray, there was there were batons. And a lot of the anti-racist um, protesters were attacked and the white nationalists were protected. The public order response team was brutalising the residents last Monday, according to the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre, who actually had um, a lot of staff there observing what was going on. And in fact, Anthony Kelly, the executive officer, has written a statement about it, um, bits and pieces of what I've just read out just today. And basically, Anthony, quickly, I'm just going to say, he says that these policing actions were the opposite of keeping the peace. Anthony says um, on behalf of the centre that the recent state budget contained, contained unprecedented levels of spending on police, up to $2 billion extra. Andrews has also committed to working with Federal Immigration Minister Peter Dutton in referring young criminalised people of colour under 18 to border force with the threat to cancel visas. Yeah, I wasn't there at the time, but I've seen some footage of... Have you? ..the right-wing people um, yep. yelling out, you know, Muhammad was a pedophile and oh. in front of, like, you know, people of colour, Muslim women and stuff. It's it's despicable. It's 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 actually encouraging. There's already fascists coming out of them, right-wingers coming out of the woodwork because of the economy and because of the um, the racism of the Turnbull government and we really didn't need this, this speaker to come out as well. Yeah, and then, um, like, the police were, were, weren't, wasn't protecting... They were protecting him, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. It's approximately 4.11 and we're going to be speaking with um, Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective um, pretty soon, who's going to be um, doing a report, a report back for the Human Rights Rally yesterday on the 10th of December at the State Library. Um, we're just going to go to Hunters and Collectors by Bart Willoughby. And you're back with the Doing Time show and uh, we're going to be speaking shortly with Chris Breen and that was uh, a song by Bart Willoughby and other Aboriginal musicians. Uh, pretty different style of music but nevertheless pretty good. And uh, that was Hunters and Gatherers. It's approximately 4.16 and we're going to be speaking now with Chris from the Refugee Action Collective about Human Rights Day yesterday. Welcome, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on. Great to have Hi, you. Chris. Yeah, Peter's here too. Hey, so, um, Chris, I'm wondering if you could just start off by giving us a little bit of background and, and a report back on what happened at Human Rights Day yesterday and why. Uh, Human Rights Day, we held a rally um, calling to evacuate Manus and Nauru and to bring the refugees here. There was perhaps about um, 500 people who turned up. Uh, the reason for calling the rally is that uh, despite the end of the siege on Manus Island where refugees were starved and denied water for you know uh, three weeks um, and then beaten with metal poles and forced to a new location, there is still nothing has been settled. There is still no safety, no security, no permanent resettlement for those refugees. Um, they still don't get enough food to eat at the new uh, locations. 
um, you know, Manus was declared illegal in 2006, and Dutton says he's closed it, but he's just moved the refugees to new new prisons. So we were calling for them to be brought here to safety, which we thought is particularly relevant on Human Rights Day. Uh, we had a range of speakers. We had two refugees direct from Manus Island, Aziz and uh, Walid. Uh, we had um, Adam Giles, uh, Labor MP. Um, it's you know good to see Labor MPs speaking up for refugees, uh, even though Labor still won't call to bring them here, which we think would add immensely to the pressure on the Turnbull government. Uh, they're you know accepting New Zealand's offer of 150 is good, but we're talking about 2,000 people. Uh, we had um, uh, Mohammed Mahoudin, uh, president of the Islamic Council and Shofakul Islam, a Rohingya uh, refugee. And we were also calling to for the Australian government to accept at least 20,000 uh, Rohingya refugees, because sort of echoing um, Abbott's call of nope, 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 the coalition has not taken a single one, despite over 500,000 people being ethnically cleansed in Australia's backyard. Absolutely, Australia's backyard. And, and that's not really talked about in the media very much. Can you just give a little bit of a statement about that? Uh, about the... Um, in Okay, in Rakhine State, you've had, uh, mostly for um, military clearing land, like if you look at the drone footage over it, it's incredible. Uh, you've had uh, up to 800,000 people who've been forced from their homes uh, you've had all sorts of atrocities, uh, you know, people being shot, being burnt, being uh, raped. Um, and they are in, you know, desperate conditions in makeshift camps. Um, I'm sure only the year before we saw the tragedy of Rohingya people fleeing in boats and neighbouring uh, countries copied Australia's boat turnback policy. And you had somewhere between 300 and 1,000 Rohingya who died at sea mostly from dehydration, because nobody would take them. Um, and so, you know, Australia uh, took Syrian refugees, admittedly with a discriminatory twist um, in the end, but after pressure, and we're saying that these refugees, much closer to home, should be taken so they've got some sort of, um, you know, possible futures. I should just add, there's, uh, there's 170 Rohingya on uh, Manus and Nauru who've been there stuck for four wow. and a half years. What? Yes, there's 170 of them. Uh, still Syrians there as well. Uh, it's quite incredible. And the other thing I, I will just add um, is about the US deal at the moment. There's been um, uh, another 107 people on Nauru who've been accepted to go to the US and 58 who've been given interviews on Manus. Um, you know, the, the process of them actually going might take another year and it'd still yeah. take 20 years to clear everyone. <laughs> but the concerning thing is after Trump's uh, racist travel ban came into effect, all of the refugees accepted and all the ones given interviews are only from three countries. So they're from Myanmar, uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan and none from the trump ban countries. So none from Iran, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Somalia. Why? Um, I, I think it's fairly clear that the US isn't going to take them. They've got a travel ban. It's a racist ban. It's a you know a Islamophobic ban. Um, and I you know I think that's built into the US deal. Uh, you know Turnbull hasn't admitted it, but I think it, it's pretty clear from the numbers. There's not a, you know a single one of those people. And I think what that means, if all of those people and you know Iranians are a huge um, section of the refugees, if they can't go to the US 
if Turnbull won't take the New Zealand offer, the only really logical place, unless they're talking about keeping them entertained forever, is to bring them bring them here where they sought asylum in the first place. They need to bring them here. It's yep. not as if there are millions of people. I mean, come Sorry? on. There's not millions they, of people. No, no, it's not millions of people. Um, I mean, there's, there's already between three and 400 who were on Manus and Nauru who were sort of won as part of the Let Them Stay campaign that the government's been unable to send back. Um, it's, you know, so it's the remainder, you know, uh, 1,600. Um, it's, it's a drop in the ocean uh, in Australia's population. Um, and, I mean, if you think about Nauru, a tiny little place, the, the size of Nauru is less than the size of Tullamarine Airport. Um, it's you know uh, refugees make up a quarter of the population, the adult population there now. Yeah, look, there's a lot of education that that needs to be done because uh, the mainstream media doesn't talk about this, Chris. Uh, no, they don't. Um, the I mean, you you will get uh, bits and pieces of it in yeah. the Age and the Guardian and the ABC um, a little bit. Yeah. The, I mean, curiously, the Herald Sun um, certainly doesn't talk about the crimes of Manus, uh, but nor do they parrot the government's lines. I True. think they're just, uh, they're just they're just silent. And I think increasingly the Turnbull government is isolated on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was that curious vote in Parliament the other day uh, to bring the refugees here uh, that, you know, the Turnbull lost 72 uh, to 73 because there were two out of the, the chamber and then they had to re-hold the vote. But it's um, yeah, we think that the, the the ground is shifting. I hope so. I hope so. And I know that that refugee action groups, and in particular the Refugee Action Collective, um, has done a lot of work, extensive work. There's not time really to talk about the the latest um, event on human rights with Gillian Triggs and the other speakers. But I will be we will be um, broadcasting that in the new year sometime. Um, and having a look at some of those interviews. But, you know, basically, Chris, my concern is that there's no safety, there's no resettlement. You know, you've got people with knives and machetes coming in to attack um, the refugees that have been housed over three locations, and it's not safe and it's indefinite detention. What are they going to do? Oh, well, at the moment, they're... They're in miserable conditions. They, they don't have proper access to medication. Uh, there have been previous attacks that have cut to the bone. Uh, just two days ago, yes, there was a person with a knife who went into Hillside. There was another guy with a machete who went to the Granville Motel where others have been sent in Port Moresby threatening to attack refugees. Um, it's an inherently unstable situation. There will be more outrages. Um, we don't want to see that. I think the, the only way... To, to stop that, to you know, the only humanitarian logical solution is to bring those refugees here. Absolutely. Uh, if, if, if I could add just one little sure. plug, uh, tomorrow night, uh, if people want to get a, a better feel for what the conditions are like, uh, at ACMI at Fed Square, the Refugee Action Collective is presenting Beirut's Bachani's film, Chalker, Please Tell Us the Time, at 6.30 tomorrow night. Um, and... Uh, it was shot on a mobile phone uh, within the Manus Detention Centre. So I'd really encourage people to, to get along to that if they've got the time. And where is that situated? That's at Federation Square. Okay. And it's at 6.30? At 6.30. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Keep up thanks, the good Chris. work. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
And that was Chris Breen from the Refugee Action Collective speaking about Human Rights Day on the 10th of um, December and a Human Rights Day rally that happened and talking a little bit about the background of the refugees on Manus Island um, and how they were relocated and just what's going to happen in the future and giving a little bit of a an overview of the political, the, the stunningly atrocious political climate that's happening at the moment. So we're going to be um, speaking with Vicky Roach pretty soon about her lived experience of prison and looking at um, a report produced by the Human Rights Law Centre. And in fact, I believe the launch happened last week, um, talking about um, stripped searches um, of vulnerable women in prison and having a look at some research about that. Has your subscription lapsed? We want you back. Spend more than the evening with us. Reunite with us. Subscribe to 3CR and get excited. Call 9419 8377 or donate online, 3cr.org.au. And let's get back together. It'll feel so good. Help FreeCR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline and keep our culture going strong. Of course a lot of the Aboriginals having been stolen were put into state care and also others the recognition were. recognition of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And next up is um, Vicky Roach, who was interviewed for a very, very important um, report that the, produced by the Human Rights Law Centre, speaking about some research in regards to the strip searching of women. And just to warn listeners that some of this material um, may be distasteful. Um, I can't imagine that people wouldn't want to listen, but if people do find it distasteful, turn it off. Um, it is confronting, and it may be that um, you know that, that there may be triggers, or, or it, that who, who knows. Just um, to let you know. So yeah, hi Vicky. Hi, Marissa, how are you? Good, good. We just thought we'd better just uh, say that, you know, some of this material could be confronting. Well, it is pretty confronting um, being strip-searched. And for, for people who this would not normally happen to, it, it's, yeah, it's terrible. Could you, know, you, could yeah. you imagine being forced to, to strip down to nothing in front of two people in uniform. 
The thing I really that that I found interesting in perusing the report, Vicky, and, and I had a look at a lot of your quotes and a lot of the quotes of women in prison, and some of them actually chose to remain anonymous, which which is fine, isn't it, for that to happen? Yeah. Um, is that a lot of the women had been sexually abused or had um, experienced family violence? But the thing that I found interesting is that the Human Rights Law Centre offered some solutions to strip searching. Can you talk about those? Yeah, well, there, there are different methods of um, scanning. They use scanners and um, X-ray machines and things like that. These are being used in, in other countries. And there's there's all sorts of other things too, like um, having a reasonable suspicion that, that somebody has contraband. Like, as, as it's currently happening now, the strip searches are routine. They're not targeted. No. Or they're targeted as well, but... Um, for the most part, they're routine. Uh, that when you um, leave and enter the prison, uh, when you go on an escort, uh, pretty much any any occasion where you leave the prison, and then there's all sorts of other occasions when they, when you're forced to strip as well. Oh, um, maybe to punish having... you. Well, that's that's true, um, and also uh, before and after visits with your children and family. So a lot of women will actually forego their visits rather than undergo or endure the, the strip searching process, which is really sad because like, that's really important is maintaining family con- family connections while you're in prison. Absolutely. And it's interesting, I was reading too, Vicky, that, they, that the Human Rights Law Centre actually obtained some files from Freedom of Information and yes. they found out that in, the, in, in those six months, I think from June onwards, that there was very little contraband, that the strip no. searches didn't produce a lot of contraband. And and the contraband that was produced well, wouldn't have been contraband 12 months ago. Most of it was tobacco products. Tobacco. Uh, um, <laughs> what is it? A quantity of gum? Yeah. <laughs> and one unidentified object. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the unidentified object was probably um, a, a belly ring or a tongue ring or something like that. Hmm. I mean, the Human Rights Law Centre is not saying that safety should be compromised. Like, from what I could see here with the report, it's it's really informative. Like, it talks about the fact that to stop drugs and weapons entering prisons is important. But do you agree that women in prison do not need to be routinely strip-searched? And, and all prisoners across the board, they were saying. And that there are actually technologies... That are that are far less invasive, and there are sophisticated technologies now that can assess um, to see whether or not there's contraband. Correct. Well, well similar to um, the scanning you go through at the airport, except it's it's more like the ones you see in America, where they can actually see your your insides. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they can see whether you've got anything on you or even if you have anything inside you. That's right. Yeah. You like, it's, yeah. It's still invasive. A lot of Americans don't like it. No. Um, but it's far better than being strip searched for my money. So what prompted you to get interviewed for the report, Vicky? Because I imagine that it would have been quite challenging for you to be interviewed for such a report. What, what, were the, what made you do, what prompted you to do that? Well, the the hope of having it stopped, yeah, of, of having the practice stopped, 
And if anybody can do that, it's, it's they're hitting that floor, isn't it? Absolutely. And, with and, that, and yeah. through reports like this. For sure. And what are the main things for you that, that are important to you? As far as strip searching yeah. goes? Well, the, the main thing is, um, like you were saying before, something like 90% of women in prison have experienced uh, sexual abuse either as a child or as an adult or family violence and or family violence. Um, most most women have experienced both. Now, 90%, that's a huge number. Now, if strip searching is about good order and management of the prison and ensuring contraband doesn't get in, they've been doing it for years and years and years and years, and they don't find any contraband. No, they, they don't. No, no, they don't. So the purpose of strip searching is not to locate contraband. The purpose of strip searching is to dehumanise us and dominate us and assert control over us. Yeah, look, I've read numerous quotes from women here and, you know, there was one woman who um, wrote that she came from a European background and um, she had she was menstruating at the time that she was being strip searched and she was lived a very sheltered life and this particular woman... Um, was made to strip search while she had her menstruate in in front of two two officers. Oh, they don't. I mean, how dehumanising is that? Or not. Yeah, they don't care. That um, you have to remove your sanitary product and let them see it. Yeah, no, it's 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 pathetic, really. Um, but these things do impact on certain cohorts of women. Um, perhaps more than others. Tell me about that. That woman, for instance, yep. um, Muslim women. Yes. And a lot of Asian women. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah so um, there, there were some African women in there as well. Um, yeah, there's, and uh, for Aboriginal women especially, um, it's entirely confronting. Oh, can you, can you imagine, like... I'm not. It's. I mean, it's bad across the board, Vicky. I'm not saying that, but yeah. Can you imagine, like, Aboriginal women? Okay, they come from the stolen generation. Their parents or grandparents were taken away, right? And then on top of that, if they've been sexually abused, and on top of that, the racism. And most of the times, they've been sexually abused in an institutional setting. Yeah. Yeah. And and again being abused in an institutional setting yeah. with the sanction of the state. That's, that's how it always appears to me, you know, that the, the state wants this to happen. It doesn't achieve what they say they want it to achieve, but we want to keep doing it anyway because it keeps you women down. Well, that's right. And what's interesting and what the mainstream media doesn't really talk about very much is that um, routine strip searches, and I'm going to quote from the report here, violate the rights to privacy, humane treatment and detention, and freedom from cruel, inhuman and degrading treatment, all of which are protected by the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2006. Absolutely. I was inside when that when the charter came out, yep. and I, I thought that was wonderful. And... If the Charter can achieve the banning of routine strip searching, 
um, it will be worth all the hard work it took to have one implemented. Do you think that can happen? Yes, absolutely. Why Why not? Why shouldn't it? Um, otherwise, what's the point of having a Charter of Human Rights? If That's they, right. Yeah, if they don't apply to certain groups of people. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because this this report is just so amazing. You went to the launch, right? Yes. yes. How, how was that? Oh, fabulous, fabulous. And where was um, it held? In the in the old Melbourne Jail Magistrates Court. Oh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and who who was there, Vicky? Um, Rob Holt. He's the former Attorney General. Um, I've come across him before, and a lady by the name of Patricia Neves, I think it was. Yep. Yep. And, oh, Jesus, it's just gone out of my head where the other lady was. That's all but right. But they were both incredible speakers. The Ombudsman had actually gone into the jail for seven days, which is very unusual. They're normally only there for one day every month or so. But she insisted on being able to to go into the prison and observe the day-to-day practices. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, some of the things that um, she concluded from her seven days in there uh, contributed to this report. And uh, she made 18, 19 recommendations, I think. For this report? To to the government, yes. Oh, to the government. um, Oh, yes, yep. Yep. yep, and th- this is about the whole prison system. And the only one they rejected was the strip searching. Of course. Hmm. Yep. That's right, because the Ombudsman did publish some findings quite recently. Uh, the Doing yes. Time show, show did do a recording on that, actually, on a symposium. Yes, it, was, it was only recent. Yeah. So yeah. strip searches were rejected, right? Now that's that's interesting. And if people want to to read the report, they can they can go on the human rights website, right? Human rights right, yes, human the rights, human law, rights Centre. law Centre. Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, yeah, you can download a copy of the report there. That's that's fantastic. So I haven't really asked you any personal questions in regards to your lived experience, because I think that's entirely up to you whether you want to talk about that or not. And I noticed that your quotes in the report speak in general about it, and that, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, look, my, my experiences were, were no different to yeah. any other woman. Mm-hmm. I was required to remove sanitary products at times. Um, oh, I found the whole process undignified, demeaning, degrading, humiliating, and unnecessary. Like um, some of the strip searches that were performed on me were like entirely unnecessary. Like leaving leaving prison to go to hospital and returning. Like I'm in the presence of two screws the entire time. Please. Yeah. But I'd still be strip searched, leaving and coming back. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's not that's not acceptable, especially if you're ill, and yeah, you know, they could have used some scanning technology. It's not as if it's eighteen, you know, seven and eighty-eight, is it? Yeah, yeah. 
And like a, there was a there's an old lady in there. Um, she was like eighty six or something, and she was regularly strip searched. <gasps> yeah, an old lady. Yep. Oh. Yep. They used to um, pull people who were unlikely to uh, give a positive urine. To give what? Sorry. Um, give, Depending on what they wanted from their stats in any given month, um, they'd they'd urine women who were unlikely to produce or have drugs in their urine, yep. so that they'd get a healthy, the prison's healthy, you know, mm. very few drugs. Um, but if they wanted to prove another point, they'd urine all the all the girls who they thought were likely <laughs> to have drugs on them or in their systems. Uh, and that's that's where you were just at, at the whim of the jail. You, you had no idea what was going on there, how these decisions were made. So it's it's very interesting that it's from what you've said, Vicky, that and from what um, not just what you said, but all everybody in the report. It sounds like they twist the rules, don't they? It's about it's an abuse of power. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the, the strip searching in itself um, is an exhibition of power. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a bit more about that. So, how does that contribute to power? Well, think about it. When you, um, well, for instance, in a in a domestic violence situation, often often the man will attack you when you're naked, or he will strip you naked before he attacks you. Um, it makes you vulnerable and more scared, <laughs> yeah. and. You're in a very small room with two uniformed officers with all their batons and you know, mm. stuff on, and you have to submit. You have no choice. You can't say, no, I don't want to do this. You have to submit, and you have to do exactly what they tell you, or they are authorised to use force against you. That's so right. It's a very intimidating situation to be in, and you feel very, very vulnerable. And for people like me who have experienced sexual abuse and domestic violence, it's traumatising. And it's re-traumatising every single time it happens. It really does. And I can just imagine with sexual abuse, you get all your flashbacks. You get all the flashbacks of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you're standing there naked, you know, being told where to move, how to move, what to do. And knowing that they will use force on you if you don't submit. Yeah, so it's like it's happening all over again. Yeah. Yeah. But I like your sense of humour, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one girl had a had a great sense of humour. She used to um, sing the chicken dance in her head because you could kind of do the movements of the strip to to the words of the chicken dance. Oh, to, yeah. To the yeah, tune right. of the chicken dance. <laughs> 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 hey, that's a good one. And where it goes, do, 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 that's when you do the um, the ass wiggle. You have to oh. part your cheeks and wiggle your ass. Oh, that's interesting. Can I, can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> but see, that, that's a way to actually be empowered, isn't it? Not to let that power struggle get to you. 
Well, it's a, it's a form of disassociation, and, yeah, and most women too. use a form of disassociation to get them through that process. Interestingly, I'm just having a look at this report, and it talks about the Corrections Regulations 2009, Victoria, and yeah. how there's been a little bit of progress, not too much, but apparently it prohibited strip searches on a random sample of prisons. I think it was like a little bit of a study that they were doing. And yeah. random strip searches were eliminated because they did not comply with the charter. But does that apply now or was that just then? Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I was released in 2008. Right. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing inside now and just what they say they're doing doesn't really mean that's what they're exactly. doing. Exactly. We don't know, do we? Yep. No, no. But it, there, yeah. there was, um, when I was in there, you could be grabbed at any time um, any time, any place, and oh, you go to urine, which means a strip search, it's an organic strip search for urine. <coughs> okay. And that was totally random. There was no suspicion or anything. They'd, they'd random about, I don't know, maybe a dozen women a week. Yeah. But it's really great to have you on, Vicky, just to, you know, to talk about the report, and while it's really fantastic to interview lawyers about it and interview the authors, and I'm sure they, they've done a wonderful job with the report, it's also good to oh, interview someone with, with lived experience as well. It's just as powerful. Well, that's, that's why they talk to, to us, to women who had experienced it, um, and I think that's probably one of the things that makes the report so excellent. Not only excellent, but also... Um, Apparently, the women in prison approved the report, all the text, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. There was an interesting article in The Age. Have you seen that about the report? Um, did I see that one? No, I think I saw a yeah, Guardian. It's, it's, it's not bad, the one in The Age. You know, it talks about how, you know, thousands of strip searches are conducted on female prisons in Victoria every year. And... Um, it's, and it's good that they actually put that it's a population with a disproportionately high experience of family violence and sexual abuse. Yeah. So it actually yeah. summarised the report quite well. I, I did say it too. I just remembered now. Yeah. So, Vicky, are there any other things that you want to say? Any final comments? Um, look, no, I don't think, I don't think there's any more to, yeah. to add to that, um, except that I'm looking forward to strip searching being banned in Victorian prisons. Mm. Well, I hope the whole of Australia, but at the moment in very Victorian prisons. A, very lucky to have a charter of human rights down there. Well, let's use it. Yes, exactly. Let's, let's use, use it. it. I mean, let's use it. the Do and Time show has done some quite extensive coverage over the years about the Charter of Human Rights in Victoria. And, you know, we've, we've done quite a bit, but yet it doesn't seem to be used very much and it's I find that quite disconcerting don't you yeah yeah but it's it's early days um yeah. you've only had the charter down there for for a few years uh people will be coming to grips with it and working out how to use it to remedy different situations Fantastic. And on behalf of the Do and Time Show, we want to spend a, send a special cheerio to you and all the women that participated in the report. Well, thank you. Thank you and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Good on you, Vicky. All right, well, you take care of yourself. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Too. you.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And it's approximately 4.49 and you're listening to the Do and Time Show 3CR Community Radio. And you were just listening to an interview with Vicky Roach, who's a wonderful Aboriginal activist. And she was talking about her lived experience of prison and strip searches and talking about a report that was re- recently released by the Human Rights Law Centre um, with, with who conducted research on strip searches in um in prison for women, and also calling an end to strip searches. I'll just put on um, the a song called "This Is My Country" by Tom E. Lewis. We will not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on on our culture on on our land. You know, if people say, "Oh, you're going to finish up with nothing," well, then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scanty dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that that nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded, I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. The Doing Time show is approximately 4.54, and this is our last show and summer programming will start next Monday. So the entire Do and Time Collective is here today, thanks to um, Rob, in the to Rob who's um, in the studio there producing and has made all the phone calls. Thanks to Peter for um, pushing buttons there. And, um, yeah, and we'll see you back here next year, next year on the 8th of January. Right. And bye. bye. Take care. Bye.